0: Do you want to learn how to use your money to fund your desired lifestyle? Today's guest, Clayton Daniel, is going to tell you how to do just that as we talk about his forthcoming book.
1: Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan, and I'm here, as usual, with Miranda. We also have a guest co-host today, Jana, Jana Lynch, who uh, is really in charge of our book series and uh, some other literary types of issues on adulting. So, Jana, thanks for joining myself and Miranda today. Thanks for letting me be here. Of course, and our guest today is uh, Clayton. And Clayton, could you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, well, I'm coming from very unsunny Sydney right now. Uh, I started out in music, went across into accounting when I was in my early twenties, and realised I sucked at music. And then I, <laughs> I, yeah, and then I went across into. Sort of the, the more personable uh, cousin of accounting called financial advice. Uh, then went on built uh, and ultimately sold my own practice. I put all those lessons in my yeah upcoming book Fundraising Your That's
1: you know this is really really interesting to me personally because my life path has similar it's been pretty similar to yours. I also. Studied music and went into music, mostly teaching, but also other arts. It's not that I found out that, I mean, I probably did suck, but <laughs> it, it really, there were some other issues that I had to take care of. And I found myself doing accounting as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's really interesting the way things work out. And I went from accounting to, you know, I, that was at the point I was really trying to figure out my, my own financial situation. And mm-hmm. And that's about when I started blogging. So you, you started a practice. I started blogging. Either way, we were both reaching people and talking to them about mm. our own financial situations. And, and here we are now talking years later.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's
1: that, that's very uncanny. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the book that you have coming out. And uh, what is the what's the main point that you want to get across?
2: Yeah, certainly. If, if there's one thing that I'd like to get across, it's that after working in money for like 10 years, and I really, I got into working with money because I was this broke, you know, musician. And I thought, well, I guess the best way to to, to not be broke anymore is to work with money. And, and over the course of the next sort of decade, um, I did become an expert in that subject of personal finance. But then I realized, you know, unless someone does 10 years of deep diving into this subject it's it's quite hard to to get really good at it and I guess that's why I I had a successful business because people would pay pay me to do that for them but I thought after a while I started emailing my clients and asking them what is it that they really wanted out of life right so um, what do they want to avoid what do they want to do instead what makes them happy what makes them sad, you know, and all these kind of questions. And when they all came back, basically I could whittle all of them, all of those problems down to three main problems, which was spending too much time at work, uh, not living, you know, the, the the lifestyle goals that they wanted and, uh, and failing to build long-term assets. And basically what they were kind of saying was that they wanted to avoid wasting your life. And and, and that was a really strong moment for me because I'd realized I'd been working on helping people make more money, but that wasn't what they were interested in. That wasn't their core uh, value, if, if that's what you want to call it. And so, that led me down this massive path of a couple of years while I had my own practice and I was able to do so about learning what people wanted out of life and then helping them achieve that with their, with their money. And I guess... If I was to summarize the whole book, it is that I would call it happiness and fulfillment has come about that I've seen in my clients when they identify what they want and achieve it through their means that they currently have rather than just not articulating it and just simply going for more, you know, more money and more, 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 more. So, uh, you know, avoiding that ambiguity and instead articulating what you want and then using your money to achieve it. Yeah.
0: That actually really resonates with me a lot, Clayton. That's something that I look at a lot in my life. I, I view my money as like the means to the end and I see it as kind of a tool to help me create the lifestyle I want to live. And so a lot of the time when I go through, um, I look at, you know, what are my values? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want my money to do for me? And then I kind of base my decisions on that. And and sometimes it means that, you know, I, I give up some things that I don't really care as much about, uh, in order to kind of move into the things that are really the most important to me. And, and is that something that, you know, you kind of see as well that you kind of have to say, okay, what are my values? And is my spending reflecting this? And now I need to cut out the things that don't fit with what I want my life to be. As you've just said,
2: once you've got a good idea of where it is that you want to spend your money and you go ahead and start pulling down on things that are less important and start spending money on things that are more important you immediately get a major uptick in the quality of your life purely because you're avoiding yeah just wasting your money and and i guess that comes right down to you've obviously sat down and said okay this I get, you know, sort of 4 out of 10 enjoyment for every dollar spent. But over here, I get 8 or 9 out of 10. And it's such a simple thing, but a lot of people don't do it. And I guess even though I'd worked in money for 10 years before I sort of realized any of this, It is. it turns out to be probably the best way to get more out of your money today rather than sort of putting everything off until you're a millionaire before you live your ideal lifestyle. You can absolutely do that just simply by articulating. And the fact that you've done that means you're 80, 90% of the way already. I find it really interesting that a lot of your clients uh, have this fear that they will wake
1: up one morning and realize or or just fear that they wasted their life away because they they were waiting, you know, they're waiting for the right time to start enjoying their life. So you, so you talked about, you know, maybe enumerating or figuring out what those, what those areas of enjoyment in life are. How, how do you come up? How, how does one come to the conclusion or, or find a way to evaluate where their enjoyment comes from?
2: Mm, really good question. While n- none of my clients used the term fearing that they waste their life, they they did put it in ways that that made sense to them. Like I'm spending too much time at work, you know, uh, not having enough money is stressing me out because I'm spending it in all these different areas. So, so I guess that was the, the term of wasting their life really was a summary of, of many people and many people's answers. So, part of financial advice is really getting to to what people's values are. And there are many different ways. I mean, if you go on the internet, you'll find just Googling how to discover your own values, you'll find a lot of information. But what I found worked really well is if we take a small detour into the more sort of softer side of life, if you will, and that was to figure out what someone's purpose in life was and that's a really, 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 really deep question. And oftentimes we don't have an answer for it because, you know, when we caught up today uh, over over the Internet here, we asked how each other were, you know, what the weather is like. And these answers we're quite good at answering. But, but what's your purpose in life? I mean, that's an annoying question. That's almost an offensive question. I, I remember when, when sort I'd started this company, it was going well. This is a few years ago now, and I, I really lost uh, motivation because I had a ch- quote unquote achieved sort of what I'd been working for for ten years, and I really ran out of steam because I didn't have anything to work towards, and so I ended up hiring this leadership coach for you know like something like ten thousand dollars, and was really it, it, just just to speak over Skype. And after about a five-minute introduction, he goes, right, so Clayton, what's your purpose in life? And I was genuinely offended by the question because I didn't have an answer. I'd never spent any time thinking about it. It was probably overly intimate that I was prepared for. And yet, once I spent a month figuring out what the answer to that question was, I was able to then make other decisions from that so sort of like that was the center of gravity and then I was able to combine that with my professional skill set which was money um, which then allowed me to work to my strengths which allowed me to build a business which was a, you know quote-unquote a, uh, a blue water business blue ocean business there's a really good book called blue ocean and the concept is if you've got a business like everyone else then you live in the red the red ocean. The red ocean is uh, fraught with competitors. And while competition is excellent in theory for capitalism, it actually sucks as a business person because if you're offering equal services, then it's a race to the bottom in in, in terms of what you're charging as far as dollars are concerned. But if you can create a blue ocean business and you create something that uh, no one else is doing, then your fees are redundant because you're offering a complete and unique Uh, remarkable solution over here that no one else is offering and so you can afford to charge more for it. When I sort of spent a month thinking about my my purpose in life, it came down to I like making uh, things simple for people so they make the best decisions, combine that with money, end up creating this cash flow business and everything came about through this one question that I was paid a lot of money to get asked and what was my purpose in life and that's sort of the first chapter in the book and that is, is, is definitely the deepest part of the book, but, and it's the deepest part of the journey, but it's, I figured out I'd gotten sort of 80% through my journey before I'd, I had to backpedal the whole way and figure out how it is that I can identify what it is that I want to do in my life, and that was actually just by sitting down and confronting this most confronting of questions. Um, and while I never get comfortable asking the question... I am convinced that it is, uh, probably the most important question to ask yourself. Yeah.
0: So I want to sort of follow up with that, but also maybe sort of shift topics. Um, in the book, you talk a lot about all the mistakes that you made and the experiments that you did, um, your little stint in the Australian reserves and (laughs) your music career and all that kind of stuff. Do you for you, when you were, I guess, working on figuring out your purpose, was it important for you to reflect on all the mistakes that you had made that sort of led you to your purpose? And would you encourage people to do that as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, ultimately mistakes are fantastic, and, and I'm not saying anything unique there. Um, uh, but the the one, the one qualifier I'll, I'll probably add to it is that all, you know, even if something's a mistake being as good as you possibly can at it helps with one thing and it's like the hardest skill in the world i think to to learn and to do and that is how to execute like execute like everything happens on the other side of execution and so you can have any idea that you like, you can sort of sit down and and figure it out. What it is that you want out of life, and and you can sit on a and on a couch and be you know sort of the the couch warrior who who can think a lot. But ultimately, everything comes down to implementation and execution. So everything happens on the other side of execution. So for all of my mistakes, for all of my experiments, and for all of my testing, and and me sucking it sort of ninety nine percent of it. What I did do is I did try my hardest at everything. um, And while I failed at everything that I was trying, when I did eventually stumble, well, when I did eventually get asked the question, which sort of gave me my center of gravity, um, I was able to use the skill of execution, which I'd sort of haphazardly built over time by simply doing as well as I could at things I sucked at. Um, And then eventually when I was able to do something that I didn't suck at, then the the skill of execution assisted me to be able to achieve it yeah so along those lines of execution
1: let's go back to the point where you do find your purpose in life or you do create your mission statement i've talked about that or mm-hmm. come up with the 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 core values how do you move from the point of realization to the execution of what it takes to get you to that point
2: yeah Really good question because I call it in the book is playing to your strengths. And up until I'd sort of sat down again with this leadership coach who sort of taught me this stuff, the best thing I'd ever come across as far as strengths were concerned was to do an online test, right? You do an online test and you learn that you're good at, I don't know, working with people or all these sort of ambiguous things that almost sounds like a a tarot card reading, right? Um, But they're just professional rather than personal so I always found those tests and to work and and to figure out those strengths in an online fashion to be really useless like I couldn't implement I couldn't execute with any of that but again going back to to this leadership coach that I'd spoken with he said okay now that you know your purpose in life combine it with your professional skill set so it was a case of So I wanted to help make things simple for people because I think most people are probably more um, capable than we give them credit for. I think most people are quite capable. They just need to understand what's going on. So uh, my professional skill set was money. So it made sense when, or I was working to my strengths and I was able to execute on my purpose in life when I started to make money simple for people so that they got the most out of their money. And I think that... that is the is the is the sweet spot. Is taking that soft sort of ethereal concept of your purpose in life or your your life mission statement, and then at the same time, I think you got to like a like an algorithm or, or a, just jam them both together, um, because it does need to be executed upon. And I think taking your professional skill set and merging it with your purpose in life does allow you to implement and execute, and then. Once you've got a good idea of what that is, I mean, if you're an employee it's, and you work for a big corporation, literally, it may mean moving within the company, but they're going to be supportive of that. I mean, they're, they're going to have a, a an employee that's more engaged with unique insights. Um, they're going to work harder. If you've got your own business, it'll mean redirecting your marketing to hit a particular niche. Yeah, so once you've got that that purpose in life, plus your professional skill set, then it's going and actually actually implementing it in your work life. What do you see from your clients
1: in terms of the differences between those, say, who work for themselves or those who work for companies? Are, are Is there any difference in terms of the types of visions for their lives that they see or any differences in the types of
2: execution they might go about? Yeah, great question. So I think people, whether they are employees or self-employed oftentimes they're very similar i i I think there's a romanticism that comes with working for yourself that perhaps employees have that in that self-employed don't you know that the freedom to work whenever you want and to work which actually just means the freedom to work all the time right so um there's there's absolutely a romanticism perhaps that that self-employed people don't have but outside of that they're kind of very similar so yeah p- people just wanted surprisingly didn't want the you know retire early on some uh, you know passive income with the heels kicked up over looking out over as your water now that sounds amazing but what i did find is these people actually really just wanted to do Normal life, but done as well as possible. You know, spend time with family, build some long-term assets, get enjoyment out of their work. There they they were really sort of they they weren't glossy magazine headlines. It was it was more real than that. And I I have found that probably the only difference between those that were employed and those that were self-employed is as an employee, you have a really big advantage in that you can predict your income. And because once an income is predictable, then you can put it in in what I talk about in the book of The Five Bucket Method, and you can sort of set your your financial life on automation, which is hugely, hugely important. I saw some major, major, major benefits in uh, people's lives from of course, financial, but also professional and personal when they would outsource their financial life to automation. So, they stopped making every single decision. And that comes down to decision fatigue. And you probably know that about that from um, uh, Steve Jobs wearing his uh, turtleneck sweater every day. The big difference is with self-employed and employed was employees had predictable income. So, pretty much every time I spoke to someone that was self-employed, I would say, okay, I get that your revenue, your company revenue, is 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 chunky and and is it'll go up and it'll go down. So what I need from you is I need you to pay yourself a predictable salary. So if your company, if you're self-employed and and you pull in a hundred thousand dollars over the course of the year and you're going to spend say fifty thousand of that on expenses, then what I want you to do is take that fifty thousand that you've got that you're going to draw down as profit and pay yourself $1,000 a week. And with that $1,000 a week, because that's predictable, then we can plan, we can help you yeah, achieve your ideal lifestyle according to the, the level of income that you have. You mentioned the five-bucket method.
1: What is that exactly? And I know you'll go through it in, in your book. You know, Just give us a brief overview and, and how someone can apply the five-bucket method to their budgeting
2: or their financial life. Yes, sure. It was something that when I first learned about money when I was uh, 21, 22 and I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, thank you Kiyosaki. When I sort of went and I figured out what my financial situation was and I created something called oh, at the time it wasn't called a five bucket method, it was literally just a handful of accounts and I would put a certain amount of money in there. Like it's very common, right? So it's it's not a unique method in that you're just separating the money um, from your from the one account. However, the so if you go back to me figuring out my purpose in life, combining it with my professional skill set, I want to make uh, money simple for people. And so what I was getting was these clients that were coming in and saying, fantastic, you can help me invest and whatnot. That's all about my future. What can you do to help me today? And I end up actually setting up this budgeting technique that I just developed myself over a decade and that I'd run every single finance, uh, every single salary I'd ever been paid went through um, this method, and I started doing it for other people. And that's how I was able to to implement or execute my purpose onto the world was through this very specific thing called the five bucket technique. Now the reason that it works is based on something I touched on before, and. It, that is decision fatigue or or ego depletion is another term for it. Uh, a lot of research done by uh, this professor of uh, social studies called Baumeister, and he, he basically gave people situations – that they wanted to express themselves either physically or emotionally. And then he allowed one group to do so and one group not to do so. So in these studies, one set of people were shown, you know, some chocolates, uh, half were allowed to eat and half weren't. Uh, Another time they were shown emotional movies and videos and half were allowed to talk about their feelings and half weren't. And the ones that weren't had lower cognitive abilities. So they they fared less well in the, in the upcoming tests that will run, you know, academically after these sort of social studies. What the realization was, is that if, if people have a need to, to express themselves or to fulfill a particular, you could call it desire, um, and they don't, right? So, they, they, they want to and they don't. So, they see themselves as missing out, whether emotionally or whatever, then there's lower cognitive ability. And what that means is the, in the back of our minds, um, we're using up sort of almost like, you know, in the background of a computer, you can do that control, alt, delete thing and look at the look at all the things that are going on in the background of the computer. That That's going on in the background of our mind and actually drains us, which creates decision fatigue. And so, by removing someone from the center of their financial life, of making every single financial decision... What I found was, and so like once I replaced someone, they never had to think about money again. And I'll go into how to in a second. They started getting better promotions at work, higher bonuses. Um, They were winning awards for not just best in their company, but best in their entire industry. Right then they were getting into relationships and starting families. and, And I saw these people over the space of about three years, the cumulative effect of not thinking about money every day had a massive, massive benefit. And of course, monetarily, so that they got out of debt if they were in debt and they were able to sort of save for a house. The reason it worked is simply this five bucket method, but it has one little twist on it in that everything happens behind the scenes. So instead of actually going in and, and, and physically moving money around, everything happens just with automatic transfers right so if you would have uh, a salary account at the moment you you pay paid into it and then you spend just from that one account what that's creating is if there's money in there and that you're not spending it's called decision fatigue and if there's no money in it and you can't spend then you're stressing about it and you're causing yourself decision fatigue so what we do is we move uh, someone from one account and then you know, replace that salary account with a new account and it doesn't have a a card or any access to it, right? So you can't touch what's in that, what I call cash hub. Then filter uh, one set of money. uh, And if you go onto the website, fundyourideallifestyle.com.au forward slash calculator, This will help in setting up the five buckets. So we separate one set of money across into one account called the fixed cost account. And then all the bills just automatically come out of that account. So instead of having multiple accounts and credit cards and checking accounts where you're paying multiple different ongoing costs, just put it all into that one account. You never have to think about it. Like I don't think about rent. I think rent got paid today or something. Well, I don't ever think about that because... I have, uh, it's all just set up on automatic and I know that there's enough money in that account. And then the only account that I do have access to is my spending account. And then I just get 300 or 350 bucks. Uh, what is it now? $350 sent to my account every week. And that's my entire relationship to my money is literally just that spending money. So I can't overspend. So I'll go, I'll go once a week and I'll just pull 350 out of, of, the, of an ATM and then that's it. Now, that's that's in Australian dollars, so what's that in US? Maybe like 270 or something per week. And then I've got three other buckets, which is debt bucket, uh, short-term savings, and long-term savings. And each of those get looked at depending on how much debt you've got. But essentially, it's removing yourself, replacing it with automation that's already offered by your bank for free. Um, and I don't think about my money anymore, and, and neither do my well, now previous clients. The results were fantastic, both monetarily professionally and personally, yeah.
0: Clayton, how did you encourage people who have control issues with their money that this is a better way for them to do it?
2: Yeah, so ultimately the person is still in control. That's the best thing. So um, it's not that they're not in control because all those decisions, those automatic payments are actually the decisions of, of that individual. So, so even though they're not personally going in and, and moving the money around, you know for a fact that not a dollar, not a cent is getting moved around that isn't dictated to by the person who made that decision in the first place. So they, were, they, they are they are completely in control.
1: Yeah, it seems like the key here uh, to using this methods, it, it, it method is reducing the amount of cognitive effort
2: necessary to control your life. Yeah, absolutely, because... Um, It's always been fine up until smartphones and social media came around, right? So, we've always had to think about money. We've always had to think about family. We've always had to think about our work. But these days, um, there's no downtime. So, the moment that we are free and available, uh, we pick up our smartphone you know, there's a lot of studies on how many times we pick up a smartphone per day and, the, and we're always getting notified of social media, you know, this is happening, that's happening, look at that notification. And so, because of that, that, that's sort of been the tipping point. So, now our brain, the only downtime our brains have is now is sleep, you know, and I've got this sneaking suspicion that one day they'll even learn how to infiltrate that. But because of that, the world has shifted um, and now you've got two options. You either put down the smartphone and stop stop your social media, which just is never going to happen, right? We, uh, abolition just <laughs> never works. Abolishment doesn't work. In that case, you, you, you have to find um, somewhere else to, to make small changes to get big results. And I've found that money is actually the thing, day-to-day cash flow is the thing that you can outsource to automation and that gives you the advantage now of actually having Uh, A big thing, a big part of your life that you don't think about and you you get advantages. Clayton, what is
1: your ideal lifestyle?
2: (laughs) Great question. Uh, It's because I certainly, certainly, certainly don't walk around saying I'm living my ideal lifestyle or anything like that. It is a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, I uh, none of my friends would ever want to hang out with me um so <laughs> it's it's definitely a journey it's uh, for as many mistakes as i've made i still make equally the same amount and the the ideal lifestyle i don't think is is a point that you arrive at i, I think that human nature dictates that once we are a little bit satisfied with something, we'll probably move on. You know, we'll, we'll probably extend the amount uh, that we want, and and that and that issue, I guess, is coming back to that original topic of the podcast of avoiding more, because more more is a is an insidious thing, and it it comes and bites people when they don't realise it. So. An ideal lifestyle, I guess, is is a constant um, challenge to to say I'm happy where I am, and then these are the things that make me happy: spending time with with friends and family, maybe it's traveling, whatever it is, and and focusing on doing doing that. And yeah, I don't think I'll ever get to a stage where I've got that figured out, but I'll I'll go from making less mistakes, I guess. And, and, and yeah.
1: So why don't you uh, um, tell us where everybody can find you and where they can pick up your new book?
2: Yeah. Um, So www.fund, F-U-N-D, a u, And then if you want to read the blog, it's forward slash blog. The book is coming out in 10 days. Well, actually 11 days for you guys uh, on the 17th um on amazon which i'm super looking forward to it's been 18 months um and a massive journey to get there so really looking forward to that i have on on the blog is sort of you know i I do a monthly uh podcast uh i do you know there's there's a bunch of things on there but but mostly yeah probably just the book would be would be the main place and that'll be available in 10 days fantastic
1: Uh, Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Clayton. And uh, thank you, Jana, as well, for being our our guest host today. And you can listen to more adulting by visiting our website at adulting.tv and subscribing on YouTube uh, or subscribing on YouTube as well as iTunes. iTunes is adulting.tv slash iTunes. And uh, thanks for joining us today. And you will hear from us again soon. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.